Uh, what's up, Mike? What's up, Walker? Should we do this? Let's do it. Welcome to Walls Down Podcast, the podcast where we talk about stories of masculinity. Um, Walker. I'm Mike. And uh, this week we've got Lauren Billy coming on. She'll come on after the first segment, but she's going to talk to us about her experience with masculinity, growing up, what she, ha- what she heard about it, what she uh, saw you know, as a woman, how she experienced it, and how it influenced her. But uh, first of all, what's up, Mike? How you doing? I'm good. You're good? What's going on this week? Man, so last Saturday, after we did our podcast, I got my nose pierced. (laughs) (laughs) It looks good. It looks, people can't see it, but it looks good. It's good. It's very Um, simple. Yeah, and low key. I went with Lauren, um, actually, and some of her friends. uh, And I was like, you know what? I want to get my nose pierced. And I had all this fear and anxiety, so I started texting a bunch of people like, "You think I should get my nose pierced?" And they were all like, "Yeah, why not?" And um, what was the fear and anxiety? That I would either be judged or uh-huh. making a mistake or it wouldn't look good. Uh-huh. And what would you be judged? Um, this like idea that I'm a 31 year old man getting my nose pierced <laughs> and that I should be I should have done that when I was like in my 20s or like 18 or 19. Hmm. So I had this like idea that like. I'm too old to get my nose pierced. Or, like, if I go to, like, a, a meeting, they won't take me serious because I have my uh, nose pierced or whatever. But I don't work at a corporate job. Yeah. I don't work in corporate America. So, yeah. like, it's all good. Yeah. Um, and I realized that I play, play it safe. Like, I play mm. my life safe. Yeah, and, yeah. like, everything I do is calculated. Yeah. And I don't do anything, like, spontaneous. So hmm. this was like an act of like spontaneity. Spontaneity with asking five to ten people. Yeah. <laughs> it's, pro- it's progress. Yeah. It's progress and spontaneity. Yeah. And I was like, yo, man, just live your life. Yeah. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, you don't like it and you take it out and it heals and no one ever knows that you had your nose pierced. Yeah. Um, but I love it and I'm like, I need to do more things like this and just get out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And just learn more about myself. Have you wanted to do that for a while? Um, or was it spontaneous? Was it like today? It was, it was a spontaneous like thought followed by like a bunch of questions to see, <laughs> see if I should do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, when, I, when we went, I was like, I want to get my nose pierced. Like, why not? Huh. Um, and then the people there that work there, they were like, why not? Just do it. <laughs> yeah, like, what's the worst that can happen? They're like, it's tiny. And yeah. no, like, it's no, really, that's what they were thinking. That's what they said. Yeah. They were like, it's tiny, it's fine. Yeah. It'll look good. Yeah. So I, I think, like, I get you, though, like, a part of, you know, in the, in, again, in, like, the context of this podcast, I'm sure it has something to do with my masculinity, but, like, there is this part of me that, like, has, like, I, I feel, I don't know if it's pressure, if it feels good. I mean, it, it feels safe to just, like, be steady. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. to be, like, I, people, like, routine. Like, mm-hmm. I have this routine. Like, I was telling my friend yesterday, I was like, you could set your watch to the way I get ready in the morning. Like, mm-hmm. it is, like, one thing after another takes, like, the other time. And, like, and I'll even be like, you know what? I'm going to take a little extra time this morning, and I will be done in the exact same amount of time. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, um, 
And there's something comforting, I think, about that because I've definitely lived at times in my life where, like, there was no routine and it was total chaos and I was miserable. Yeah. But, you know, like, being spontaneous or, like, doing something, like, fun and outside of that does, once I get into that loop so much, it's hard to break out of it. Yeah. And then, and then I like can judge myself too. If I'm like, are you being stupid? Is this childish? Like you're saying, like, you know, it's like, I'm 33 years old. Like, should I be doing, I mean, but I do plan. I mean, I guess I do think like, I'm that way with tattoos. Like I'll be like most of my tattoos. It's like within a week, like I'll see something and I'll be like, God, that's really cool. I'd like to get that as a tattoo. And a lot of times, depending on money, usually is the thing. But mm-hmm. like, I'll be like, within a week or two, I'll have it tattooed on. Yeah. And so, but the other thing about that, because I don't necessarily work in corporate America, but I do work in a job. Yeah. Where it's like I have an office, and it's like you know, um, I wear a button-up shirt. Yeah. I, just, I petitioned <laughs> to not have to wear a tie. I like made, brought my case to my bosses, but it was a thoughtful case, and it made sense. Um. But so all my, and this is actually the thing, it's funny, from another, from a guy I've always really looked up to, who I hope to have on this podcast at some point, his name's Mark, and because he was always just this kind of like funky, weird guy who I just thought was so much fun as a kid. He was my neighbor as a kid, but he, tons of tattoos, but if you put a t-shirt and shorts on, you couldn't, like, you couldn't see any of them. Mm -hmm. And granted, he dressed in like these weird three-piece suits from China. He was, you know, unique in other ways, but... So that actually like inspired me as a kid because I knew even as a kid I was like I want to have a bunch of tattoos. But um, same. So, you know, really, I mean, some of them I've gotten a, a t-shirt won't cover them, but if I have like a rolled up sleeve button up on and shorts, you can't tell yeah. that I uh, have any tattoos. Tattoos, which is what we were just actually that the thing about the shorts we were just talking. <laughs> I was Mike, just about to say you don't wear shorts. <laughs> so. Mike, Mike was saying he was going to buy me some shorts. I'm going to buy him a pair. And you know what's funny is I didn't say this when we were talking about, but my usual response to that is like a man doesn't wear shorts because <laughs> I'm like, I think I got this, again, this idea, and I've said that for years. Yeah. And, and like I told you, the like the real, I think the real psychological reason is like from when I was out running the streets, like I had yeah. to have like my battle gear on so I could have, you know, no sandals, no shorts. Like you had to be ready to. But you're not in the battle. But I'm not. <laughs> it's, it's like so 90 degrees from. and I'm walking the streets <laughs> on a Saturday. I'm wearing black jeans and (laughs) leather boots. Um, But I do think a part of that, a part of that, you know, it's like my answer is that like, I like this old idea of like, like shorts. I don't know if it's that shorts also make me feel like a little kid or whatever, or just, I'm just like uncomfortable, but um, yeah, I wear pants and boots year round and people, especially living in Oklahoma where it gets up to like 110 degrees and people yeah. are like, what is the matter with you? Oh, Yo, it's so humid out here and you're wearing pants. I'm like, my man, what's going on? Yo, Listen, I know they can't be comfortable. We're working through, we're working through problems here. We're uh, going to get Walker in a pair of shorts by the end of summer. <laughs> I wear them to the gym I'll wear, and I wear like short shorts to the gym, but that's something different. Like, I don't know what that is. Like, I'm going to buy you a nice pair of shorts. <laughs> I like swear. Good-looking yes. shorts. Yes. Um, well, so, and what's the reaction been this week? Have people been like... Yo, everyone loves it. Yeah. They're like, yo, it looks good. Uh-huh. Like, it's fine. Nobody, Nobody was yes. like, what's wrong with you? No one. Not one person. Grow up. My ex-girlfriend was like, not happy about it. And that's why she's your ex, Mike. Yes. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't know her. No, she was not happy about it. She was not having it. What was she saying? She was just like... We're on the, the end of the conversation was like, we're on two different pages. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Like, like this is a sign that yeah. you and I are not 
that we're on two different pages. Yeah, all right. And, all right. I mean, it's fair she's not, we are. She, obviously, she's not wrong. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it was like she said something, like she said a bunch of other things, and I was like, wow, this like hurt my feelings. Like, mm. it really hurt my feelings. Because I was looking for like approval after mm. like really like sitting there and like taking it in. Um, I was like, wow, like I reached out to her to get like approval on like this, ta- uh, yeah, yeah. this nose piercing. And she just completely shot it down. Yeah. And was like, no, I don't like guys that like have their nose pierced. Like it doesn't look good. Yeah. Um, et cetera. And then I was like, oh, that's rude. And yeah. she was like, well, it looks like we're on two different pages. And I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> and well, why you wanted approval from your ex-girlfriend? Because I was. Do we have time? <laughs> <laughs> a whole th- a whole like litany of shit you yeah. know just like that seeking validation and then like i've been doing this inner child work yeah so i like looking for approval from like my dad mm. and it like ties into that like yeah at my core these beliefs i don't think i'm worthy so like i look for outside approval yeah. you know yeah so that's yes why. i do understand what you're yeah <laughs> I, I get that <laughs> definitely um so like that was like the at the core. That's what it was. I just wanted approval. That to was my know. seltzer. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I. I just wanted to know that like what I was doing was okay. But like by doing this work, I'm learning like I can get that from myself. You know, I don't need outside. Can you explain what inner child work is? Because I think I wonder if a lot of people hear that and they're like, "What?" So inner child work is like going back in and reparenting myself or yourself by doing like a series of like question and answering and then hypnosis meditation and um, just giving yourself that like love, care and affection that you may necessarily never have gotten from your parents and really healing those traumas that I've gone through um, and learning how to have healthy boundaries and what healthy conversations look like and what healthy like friendships look like and Mm. what love looks like and um, just giving myself that and not having like resentments towards my parents, but like looking looking at them as like human beings and like they did the best they could Uh with the tools they have and just having compassion for them. um, Even though they weren't there for me, and like didn't show up uh-huh. and like give me those tools that I that I wanted and needed. Uh-huh. Um, I can give myself that. Yeah. And that way I'm not looking for other people to fill that void because at the end of the day, that's a lot of pressure to put on someone. Like, hey, can you be like my mom, my dad, my lover, yeah. my friend? And if you do one thing wrong and I see it, mm. then it's over. Yeah. You know? Because that's like run. some abandon, like you're, that's, that's a, a sign that you're gonna abandon me yes. or it is an abandonment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been doing this eight day workshop with this woman named Lacey Phillips. Mm. Um, and my mentor, she was like, you should do it. Cause I've done it in the past and it's been kicking my ass, but it's that like good ass kicking because I know I'm breaking that chain Yeah, and I see where these influences from my mom, my dad, and my grandmother have, like, heavily altered my, like, adulthood. Mm. And I'm like, whoa, I have an opportunity to change this and, like, build, like, authentic relationships like I'm doing with you. Yeah. And there's no fear or, like, judgment or, like, I need to be better than Walker. I need to be better than Lauren. Like, yeah, yeah. 
because they're going to leave me, you know, and I need to get all of I can all I can out of these relationships before they leave me. And I'm going to do something subconsciously to like push them away. Uh, and then I wonder why, like I'm alone, mm, you know? Yeah. So. Cause it's like too unbearable when you're, when you're in that mindset, it's too unbearable, even if it's subconscious, unbearable to wait for the th- person to leave you. So mm-hmm. it's like, I, I can end this discomfort of waiting and not knowing mm-hmm. by like pushing them away yeah, or, gonna... or doing something that causes them to leave. Or honestly, a lot of times when you look at it, like just leaving yourself, yeah. like, you know, I have a lot of friends who are like, you know, I'm always pushing people away. Da, da, da. And then we like talk about like their past relationships and they're like, well, I broke up with this one. I broke up. I'm like, you're, you're not pushing them away. You're leaving them. Mm-hmm. Like you're not, you're straight up just leaving. Um, but and, yeah. And that inner child for me, like when I started doing this work, I realized like this like six year old kid is running the show. Yeah. Like when I go to like a business meeting or when I go hang out with friends, when I get that uncomfortable feeling, it's not me, Mike, the adult 31 mm-hmm. year old. It's that six year old, like, Oh, I'm not worthy of like being around these people. Mm. So I get that level of like discomfort. Yeah. And then I'm like, I don't want to go. You know that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Before, like, my tummy hurts. I don't want to go to yeah, school. And you're just yeah. like, no, wait, wait. I wanted to go all week, but now, like 10 minutes before, it's yeah. like, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to hang out with these people. I don't like them. I'm making up these things. They're not yeah. my friends. They don't like me. I'm too busy. Yeah. Like, and I make, I, I deserve up, to relax. Yeah. And I come up with a lie and all this like shit. And it's like, wait a minute, this kid is running the show and like making all these like executive decisions mm-hmm. when it's like, wait a minute, no. Like, let me tell this kid, like, hey, go play with your spiritual, like, babysitters. Yeah. And, like, I'm going to go hang out with my friends, but I'm going to still come back and show up and love you, you know? And, like, really showing up for this kid and telling him, like, hey, even though, like, you were abandoned, like, I'm not going to abandon you. Yeah. I'm sorry that, like, I wasn't aware of your presence. And Mm -hmm. now that I'm aware of your presence, I want to make sure that I'm showing up for you and love you. So, like, that's been, like, a difficult process. But you know what's the trippy part? Since I've been doing this work, every time I see a little kid running around, mm. like, my heart just, like, melts. I'm just like, oh, that's me. You just, like, grab him by the shoulders yeah. and look him in the eye. And just like, it's okay. It's going to be okay. okay. I promise. Okay. I promise you're like, enough. <laughs> their parents are like, what are you doing? Put my kid down. I'm like, no. This moment. It's like that. Well, it's like I don't. I think we talked about it last week that Mr. Rogers documentary and like so many people kind I of still the, need to see that. You gotta see it. <laughs> I, know. I mean, you gotta. See, I I'm mean, gonna see it by myself so I could like have a good. Cry. That's what I did. Yeah. I saw it by myself, but like you know, and they talk about it in it that this kind of a backlash against him was like you know Mr. Rogers was a part of this like kind of 80s and 90s millennial generation that like we created this like everyone you're so special so nobody thinks they have to earn anything and they think they're entitled but like really what he was telling he was like basically kind of what you're saying is he was like wanted every kid to know he wasn't saying they're special and they never have to work harder and he was saying like every kid deserves love and it's like worthy of being loved like and if you if you think that's like entitlement then go fuck yourself but like um but yeah i mean that's and it's so funny, too, because you say, you know, these people are like, oh, it created this generation, and it's like, I don't know, not from what I've seen. Like, or at least that message of, like, that you are loved and deserve to be loved and mm-hmm. give love. I don't know that that was heard by all of us. No, definitely wasn't heard by me. Yeah, nowadays... Like, and I think I was told that. Like, my parents, let me, like, had me watch that and stuff, and I still, like, found my ways to, like, 
figure out how I'm unlovable and love, yeah. like, or like I better just take whatever shit I can get yes. because yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's what's going on with you? <laughs> <laughs> Enough about me. <laughs> uh, I, well, I mean, it was, you know, another, another week pretty, you know, it was kind of. What does that look like? What does that mean? Uh, so I go to work. Mm-hmm. I, um, I work as a, as a therapist, but I, uh, um, you know, so it's not something that I talk a lot about, especially on here, but just because mm-hmm. that's the nature of the work. But, yeah. but, um, so it can be heavy work. It's, I work in a center with other people. And so mm-hmm. it's nice for like a community I, and like uh, the people I work with are also, you know, great. And I love my job, but it can be heavy sometimes. And it was kind of a heavy week. And I was actually thinking this happened yesterday. Um, you know, some weeks are heavier and just things happen. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and so, um, this week was one of those kind of weeks and, um, and I think I just was like, you know, it was kind of a trying week and so I was really tired. And then yesterday, this, uh, uh, one of my coworkers who's like one of my really primary, like, like I, she was, I worked with her in my internship. She was my supervisor and then she came work for her and like really good friends. And we were talking about a client. There was some stuff that happened at work and I got really worked up, not towards her. Like we we're on the same page, but like a, another coworker and, she was pointing out, like, so when I get really hyped up, I, like, interrupt people a lot of times, and I get I can get, like, aggressive, which is funny for anyone who knows me. I'm, like, a very calm... So calm. <laughs> very calm, measured person. <laughs> the jealous dude ever. <laughs> but, when I, but when I get, like, passionate... And there's certain people that can, like, push my buttons, or, like, I, like, am passionate about something, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I recognize that I have these reactions, whatever, but in this sort of meeting we were having, I interrupted the person we were talking to. I interrupted her. I, and she was like kind of pointing it out. And I, my like defenses went up and I started like feeling, but it was so funny because I recognized I got angrier, but also I felt like I was like going to cry. And I was like, and I've kind of had that this week. And I think it's because it's been a really trying week where I've like had a couple things where I'm challenged and I feel like I'm going to cry. Like that Same. kid who's like embarrassed. Same. And I'm like, I'm like, am I going to cry? Like I haven't cried really. Like, especially in that way. And, 25 years i'm like where i'm like embarrassed or i get yelled at and i cry like i did it all the time as a kid but um but and what i realized is that a couple things is like one i i'm embarrassed that i interrupt people it's like a problem that i have because i'm like especially like if i'm excited about something even if i'm it's because i'm like i'm excited what you're talking about i want to talk i'm like, oh yeah, yeah i want to say it. but also in me and this coworker, obviously, like I'm a white heterosexual man, mm-hmm. and we talk about privilege all the time. And like I obviously recognize all the privilege that comes with the identity that I have. And um, and then later we were talking to another coworker, kind of recapping what had happened. And she was kind of teasing me about like oh da da. And then we changed the subject. And we were talking about something else, and I was also excited. And I like interrupted the other coworker, and I was like oh sorry, like you were saying. And they both kind of like smiled and laughed, and were like. Um, they were like, oh, smells like a little uh, white male privilege in here. Everybody smell that? And like they were ribbing me a little bit. But yeah. the, And the funny thing was, and I recognized this later last night, and I recognized today, and I wanted to talk to you about it, was like in that moment, I was so embarrassed. Like I was like, ha, 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 whatever. But I kind of just like, I was so embarrassed. And But it, because I was tired and because I'd already kind of had a rough week, it can't, I got like, angry. Like I started feeling very angry towards him. And I started thinking like, and hear me I was like why am I even an ally this is so stupid like this why do I even talk about these like this is why people don't have these conversations because I can't change like my skin or my gender or this mm-hmm. and it was like and then within 10 minutes like I just kind of sat there and didn't say anything but then later I was like 
and this isn't to like, obviously this isn't to like look for something, but I was saying like, I was saying, I was like, this is why a lot of people I think struggle with recognizing privilege because mm-hmm. it feels bad. Mm-hmm. Like I felt embarrassed because that's, that's true. Like, yes, I interrupt anyway, but there's no way it's not a part of my identity, right? Like, because I'm in spaces where I can interrupt and like my voice is heard. Yep. I probably have done it my whole life and just kind of sometimes been aware of it or made to be aware of it, you know, and other mm-hmm. times people, that's just like the privilege. Just I, go, yeah, that's what I get. Yeah. It. And so, you know, it's like face. And then I was like, it made me, it, you know, it made me realize, and I, I think we talked about this before, but like, I think so many push people push back against stuff like privilege and racism and sexism, not and really not because I don't think they believe this, they believe it's not true, but it's because it's very uncomfortable to believe that you're the recipient of those types of things, you mm-hmm. know, like, like, cause it's fresh. Cause it's like, I felt like I was being made fun of for it. And it was like, well, I can't change, you know, like I can't change that I'm white or straight or da da. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, because I care very much about this, I was like, I challenged myself and I got over and I got a good night's sleep and kind of laughed about it later. But like, you know, you could see someone who is not na- as inclined naturally to want to push themselves to that to be like, fuck this, like, fuck you. I don't want to have this conversation. Like, I don't want, you know, and I'm not saying that's like, let's all be nicer and not do it. But I'm just like saying that, like, I would recognize that in other people. And so like, give them that, like, I don't even know what it, what it, how would have inspired different behavior or whatever. Cause it's not that you wouldn't point it out. Cause that's the whole point. You have to get through that uncomfortable part mm-hmm. and those uncomfortable times mm-hmm. and like sit through because it's been very, it's very uncomfortable to not have privilege. I would imagine. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Something happened on Thursday when I was in the subway, I was standing there and two cops came up to me and like stood one on my right side or one on my left side and one on my right side. Seriously? And I swear to God. And, I, but let me give you the backstory. I was vaping in the subway, like uh-huh. right. And I looked up and there was a camera and this uh-huh. girl I was with, she was like, you probably shouldn't vape. And I was like, can you get a ticket for that? And then we were like fucking around. And I was like, what if cops just like came up out of like the ground? And then she looks over and she's like, oh shit, there are two cops. And they literally walked and stood right next to me. And I was like, oh shit. And I was like, should I step forward? Should I not? But, like, what should I do? But if it was some, like, I mean, whatever. Maybe I'm being, like, if it was some white kid vaping, do you think it would be the same? If it was a kid, or like someone who wasn't six foot three or six foot four, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, know. but like my heart like dropped. I was like, this is crazy because like these guys, I'm supposed to look at them and be like, okay, they're going to protect me. I'm looking at yeah. them like, oh shit, they're going to fuck me up. Yeah. Right yeah. And there's a group of people like, what's going to happen? Like that's what's going through my head. Play it safe. Be calm. Cause I am a six, four black man. Yeah. Like be calm. Like yeah. if they say anything, don't even answer. act like a normal person. Yeah, yeah, act overly, overly yeah. cautious, overly like, yeah. yes, I'm good. Whatever you say, cool, yeah. I'll do it. I don't want any problems, you know? Yeah. But. That, yeah, I mean, that makes me feel sad. But, like, it's just like a, like. Like Donald Glover said, this is America. <laughs> this is America. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Because that's, I mean, it's funny, like, and we got to take a break soon. But, like, yeah, like, you know, as be, as a person who used to do a lot of, illegal things not like terrible you know yeah like, but i did things that were not good like i used to be like t- you know i get that like tenseness when mm-hmm. i see cops and that's all the kind of thing and now like that i don't really do illegal things uh, at all yeah i i'm like 
man, cops are here. You know, I don't have any problem with cops. And cops are here to serve. Like, I get it. It's a very complex job. Like, I'm not like, I'm like, yes, policing is a total, needs to be overhauled. Da, 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 but, like, I don't get that feeling. Yeah. And it's like, that's just like such a, just a very clear, simple difference. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're not doing a bunch of illegal shit. I know no. you. You know no. what I mean? But, like, to what feel I- uneasy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we solved that. So <laughs> let's let's uh, take a break. Yeah. When we come back, we got the be- very special Lauren Billy. Love it. Let's go. Uh, we're back. This is the Walls Down podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Walker. And today we have a special guest, Lauren Billy. My favorite person. Um, there's not enough words I could say about her. Um, she's the co-owner of Cycles and Sex, um, a really, really special friend of mine, and I've learned so much from her just in the short amount of time of living with her about myself, about um, gender, race, um, and just being an overall good, authentic person. So I want to welcome Lauren Billy to the show. Thanks, Mikey. I call him Mikey. You call him Mike. Thanks, it's, Mike. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. That's very generous. Lauren's also with Mike, uh, the co-owner of our studio. Yeah. By that I mean we record in her apartment. Yeah. yeah. So she's she's a, a dear friend of the podcast. We we rent from Lauren. That's right. We rent space. How are you, Lauren? I'm good. <laughs> Should we ju- shall we jump right in? Yeah, let's jump let's in. Let's get to it. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to start by thanking you both for doing this podcast. Mm. I've, I've said this before, but as someone who lives in the space that the podcast happens in every Saturday, it's really makes me feel so good just to walk into my house and know that there's two men who are striving to engage in, develop, and expand consciousness around masculinity. As someone, we'll, we'll get into it, but as someone who thinks about gender so often and my relationship to masculinity and, and men, um, I just it's like healing just to know that it's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's nice to hear. I yeah, hope that's everyone's experience. <laughs> yeah. And if you could all write reviews that say exactly that, that would be nice. Perfect. Um, so first and foremost, a question I think you'll be able to answer easily. How do you identify yourself? I identify as female. And straightish. Cool. Nice. And so to sort of just jump into it, what what was your experience like first kind of memories, first ideas around men, masculinity, and even in contrast to femininity? Um, I honestly sc- scary. <laughs> I had, I was, I've been doing this Mike, who's, I think probably talked about it. He's introduced me to this reparenting work and it's allowed me to go really deep back into where I came from and my relationship with my, my ideas of parents, which are the first forms of inity that I was exposed to. And I've been really realizing, um, how scared I was of the, of men Hmm. and how the males in my life from a very young age uh, exemplified anger 
um, annoyance with me, hmm. especially when it came to me expressing my feelings. Um, what did that look like? I remember my stepdad just kind of not wanting me around when I would talk, like ignoring me. Mm-hmm. And um, my uncle, you know, I was, I have a, an, an abuse past and all of it has been from men. Um, so my uncle um, hitting me mm-hmm. if I was being silly, you know, like um, I think so, there is, I've studied like feminine energy and, and kind of like silliness and childlikeness and freedom is is feminine energy and Mm. i think especially as and and you always hear about giggling being like i don't know a feminine quality Mm. and Mm. i remember being like a silly child girl you know female child um female in the well in my sex and also in my identity Mm -hmm. as a young woman um i remember yeah that part of me being not liked by men by the figures in my life. So yeah, my stepdad was angry and mean and didn't mm. want me around. I think probably said it out loud, <laughs> like wow. to my mom. It was clear that he didn't like kids and she had two girls. Um, and he was scary. He was, you know, he was angry. And um, and then my uncle was too. They both, there was both a lot of alcohol involved. And my other uncle, I remember, yeah, he. I just remember them, all the older men in my life feeling like annoyed by me all the time which speaks so much to my relationship with men today. Um, feeling like annoyed by me, wishing I wasn't around. Um, like I remember like yelling, um, yelling and like ignoring and quieting. Hmm. And then um, my mom, she's really cool actually. And as, as a, a woman today, who I'm 35 and she was 33 when she had me. And now I think about her and she had a few marriages and chose to be involved with this stepdad who was really scary and terrorizing for me and my sister. I have a lot of empathy and understanding for her today and um, and why that decision was really hard for her and, and then hard for her to end it. And also I'm in recovery and he is 100% you know, in and out of recovery and Mm. definitely an alcoholic. So I have a lot of like understanding of that, but he was really scary. And in this reparenting work that I'm doing, I'm realizing one of the questions on the first day is to go back and create um, whatever parents that you would have wanted to be loved by and whatever environment you would have loved to grown up in. And the point of it is to like re-manifest what you needed. And I, and the, the craziest thing was like it was really hard for me to identify what a man I needed looked like because I can't even think of hmm. an example, and uh, like in like, my subconscious. Yeah, as it well, and what I mean, or yeah, like do you mean like if if the if someone was what you needed, it almost doesn't seem like a man. No, I just don't know any. I have no reference points. And I think today, and then even, you know, I really today, I'm sure there are like really cool men, but I'm just not close enough to them Mm. to know how they parent and how they show up as a husband or, um, especially to a young girl. So I just literally don't know Mm. what it would look like. And it feels like this blank spot Mm -hmm. Mm. that I don't even know how. Yeah. So, and then obviously... 
I mean, well, your original question was my first memories of like masculinity. Yeah. And Did you identify that as when? Sorry to help with. Please. Is like when you were younger, when you were, um, you know, being and it's. Uh, did you recognize it as man versus woman? Like women treat me this way, men treat me this way? I don't think so. Yeah. I think also I thought that men were more powerful. I didn't know, you know, like a powerful woman, a queen. You know, these are like words that we're using now in culture to raise up women and to honor them. And But I, I definitely thought that men were in charge and that... Um, they did like the more important things and I always as a as a younger girl like tried really hard to I had a lot of guy friends I tried really hard to compete with them athletically and um I was like really interested in like hanging with the boys and I think it was because I wanted to be able to be equal I wanted to be able to be like seen as as powerful as mm. that and um even into my drinking i see how i was like trying to drink and use in this like excessive way similar to like the strong cool men that i yeah Mm -hmm. and i just wanted to like be i really honestly just wanted to like be them i wanted to like have the chance to be that powerful yeah because i didn't see that there was a path for me to do so without acting like them yeah yeah for sure like i mean that speaks a lot of like what we've talked about is like we saw it seemed like you had to have access to these like things like power and acceptance and all those things and like even as men like acting that way and so seeing that as a woman to see it almost in the same way i mean it's interesting to see that that's why i played basketball in high school it gave me power yeah that's that's it when i was telling you last night Mm -hmm. i don't even remember if i liked remember when i told you i wanted to go to fashion school and they were like no (laughs) <laughs> you're going to go play basketball. Hmm. And I was like, okay, well, this gives me power. Well, and also to, like that idea of when you we were talking about like being silly, I, I almost said like, I almost said like, oh, well, and I think of you as like a silly person now. And then I had this like quick thought. I was like, no, that's a mean, like, don't say that. That's like a bad word or something like that. And I do think, I, I mean, I think it is something that's, like stomped out or like this idea of being silly, even though it is. And it's funny that you say that's like a feminine thing. Cause I, I feel like that's like, you know, it was like a scolding thing. Like stop being so silly, yep. you know, like don't be like that. Yep. And even it obviously is still inside me. Cause I thought like, Oh, I won't say that about it, Cause she'll take the offense to mm-hmm. me saying that, mm-hmm. but you are a silly person. I think <laughs> that's part of what I like about you. It's like, you're childlike. fun to, you're yeah. fun to be silly with. So, so, you know, you said like you, you tried to be like the guy, like, did you see, I mean, it seems kind of obvious cause I know you, but like, did you see what kind of effects did it have on your life? You trying to get access to that power? Did it, you know, were, were you able to access any of it or were you, did it just backlash? I think about this a lot too, even today in my relationship with men, I think, you know, I was I think like culturally, maybe in my home, but yeah, I mean, in my home, it was like my looks were talked about, like from the beginning, like my mom, my mom really cares about how she looks. And a lot of people in my family are obese besides my mom. My mom like works hard. I think it's like in our genes to like get fat. (laughs) I don't know, but it's definitely 
in our habits. Hmm. And my mom is like the only one besides also my cousin who bo- who has like gone in me, who have done a lot of work to like not let that happen. And so she, I grew up with her talking about herself and her body and her hair, like her out her looks all a lot. And um, so I definitely knew that it was like more powerful if I was pretty you know like if I looked good and if my body was thin that I I remember dieting at like age seven like because if I looked good then I had that was like a way that I could earn and at that point I don't even think I was thinking oh the seventh grade boy of a crush on cares if I'm thinner hmm. I think it was more like this is how I get approval from adults even mm-hmm. is if I'm like good looking so that's my way and i was smart in school obviously like they wanted me i got good grades i i was smart i am smart and um but that wasn't the way to be my to like get i guess the love that i the love and approval so um i think that later i realized that like if i wasn't the the girl that all the like boys with power so one way to get power is for the boys with power to want you and that's like the that's the easiest way for a woman to get power and um if i i started realizing at a young age like i wasn't number one for like all the boys like i wasn't i was really popular i had a great personality but honestly i swear to god i think that i started developing people skill and i learned how to have a good personality um in order to like give me more social power and Uh and in order to like win men over even as a friend because if the most and i have all this you know in a in in my recovery program like we do these inventories where we look at our patterns and behavior and we do a sex inventory look at our patterns with men and i see this pattern of when i like befriend the most quote powerful um, man socially in each area of my life or like at each time of my life and I always befriend them and I can still to this day my last business partner was like a very powerful popular man that I became best friends with that I got to like me and I'm not saying that I'm not that that relationship isn't real but like I think that that's a technique that I learned to use mm-hmm. if I'm not going to be like the hottest then how do I get in how do I get a chance to have a chance to mm. and um so to answer your question yeah i think that at a at a young age my coping mechanisms were to like have a good personality be able to rollerblade like the boys i was hanging out with skateboard like to play hockey like the boys i was hanging out with drink like the boys mm. i was hanging out with and that was and then also inevitably like i was hoping that that would be my way into like having them love me mm. yeah it's like you like you're in that age, like that age when you're you know whatever like ten to eighteen or whatever ten you know like where you're kind of figuring out so many things about yourself. It you seem it sounds like you were sort of like dancing this line of like I want to be one of the guys and or I want to be wanted by the guys mm-hmm. like and I'm gonna play both sides of that. Um, so. Did that always, like you just said, like with your business partner, that's kind of the same thing, but was there a time when that split and you kind of chose more one way or the other? Like, or is it, has it continued that way? I think it's continued that way. Uh, I mean, 
I'm not afraid. I mean, it's, it's like literally revolutionary work to like be um, confident and to speak my mind and to not be ashamed of my silliness mm. or mm. my ability to feel my feelings or my ability to communicate or my interest in love and giving it and receiving it. Like all those things are things that I actively have to like remind myself are okay because I've, I still, in the way that men react to those parts of me mm. is still to like shut me out and to kind of make them, yeah, like uh, low, not good qualities. So um, to this day, I would say, yeah, even with dating, like I think I do try and like look good, whatever. Yeah, I take care of myself. I try and look good. But also um, I think I use my personality um, because that's like a skill that I've developed. Mm. And, and then in meetings, I mean, like with business or with career, I'm absolutely, yeah, trying to figure out, I mean, now I'm in this whole other, I'm building a business, which I've never done before. And I'm in these types of relationships that I haven't been in before where I need money from someone. But essentially that's power, right? I mm. need them to like me. It's like another form of, a form of love. If someone is willing to give money to my idea, then they're like investing love, you know, in a way. It's, yeah. it's the same stuff. So I'm trying to learn how to win people over with my ideas and my personality and um it's a game you know it's a it's the same thing um so i would say no i it wasn't that i wanted to be i mean i've accepted that i'm female and that i identify that way um so now it's like what are how am i gonna live as one mm. most um successfully or you know for my most freely for myself and um, recently I was talking to my friend about gender and we're reading this book called Down Girl about the logic of misogyny. And she talks about um, at, the, at the very base of oppression, well, we have like social, institutional, cultural um, forms that like are things, are the things we're talking about now that like, um, like that's cultural and social and institutional, even in schools having like there not be a female, I don't know, football team or whatever. Like those are all like, you know, institutional things that support men being a certain way and women being a certain mm. way and often men having more than women. So, um, but out at the base of all of those are actually like laws and policies in our country that made things that way. Mm -hmm. Dating back to like men owning land and thus owning their wife um, and us as as women not being able to own land, not being able to vote, not be able to open a credit card for like many years mm -hmm. before men. And then all of these industries starting with men only. I mean, literally like within the last 10 years, some industries have allowed women to be involved. Mm -hmm. So just to think like we live in a in a country where it took in the same way we can talk about race. We can talk about race this way too. But like women have not been equal mm. for so many years, for hundreds, you know, hundreds of years and been taught and been thought of as um, the people who weren't, they weren't, they weren't equipped to have these positions. Um, that stuff is so deep. Mm. And still, because it was like made into these law, it started in, as laws that really haven't been shaped that differently. Um, the laws affected all of these cultural norms and it's mm. just going to take a really long time to change. But yeah. um, I feel them, you know, I feel them deeply. And I think that um, if my eight, you know, essentially that's white men had the freedom, had the most freedom in the country, all of it. Not only that, but they were designing the laws. And then 
So, so, so an individual is going to always try and strive for their own agency within those laws. Mm -hmm. So I think in many ways, like me as a youth trying, I don't think I was a quote tomboy. I was just trying to find the most agency I could possibly find. Mm -hmm. And it came through being able to, you know, compete next to the boys who had a lot of freedom and power. And so I think still to this day, like I'm trying to figure out how I can strive for the most agency. And I believe that the agency, the power I want is so that I can do more Hmm. so I can shift more things. It's not necessarily because I just want power. Mm -hmm. I want power so I can influence people um, because I'm disappointed in who's been influencing Hmm. us. Yeah. Um, Well, and so, you know, it's, I think, yeah, like anyone, like any one of us hears those like messages like that. We don't even hear them. They're just like inherent in the systems we exist in. And so it is hard to recognize them. So it is like, you know, you look back and you see it. So I want to take it like sort of go back to, you were talking about the first messages you got of like what a man is and sort of like a man was someone who like didn't want you around and wanted you to be quiet and want you to be seen. So well what about did you like a young adult like 16 17 18 like what were the messages then what what did you see that masculine because i think you talked a lot about trying to get access to the 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 privilege that masculinity gives you but what did you see as masculine then and how and you know how did it affect you the i i think well, again, like as a teenager, I was using drugs and alcohol like a lot. That was like my main focus. Mm-hmm. And um, and the way that I was doing that was, I mean, for the most part, I didn't find that many other women who were interested in using drugs and alcohol in the same way that I was. Mm-hmm. So I was, so I found this like group of men um, who did that with me. And, and I, um, I would say that they were the decision makers so like you know the young men even at in high school they decided like who was cool like who else had power and where we should all go Mm. and um even i can remember like i was a, a freshman and the like i don't even remember wanting anyone's approval besides like the popular football players you know, mm. who like they were like making they were the presidents you know what i mean like they i, th- I think i saw masculinity as like the ultimate power the, mm. the decision maker mm-hmm. and and thus i do what they say because or you know i do what i can to like get closer to them mm. i do what i can to make them happy and that comes down to like also sexuality if like a or or um sexual oppression or using sex for power mm-hmm if like a cute popular guy who's a decision maker it wants me then i kind of do what he wants because i don't have my own agency and i already have been like trained to think that i'm not enough and i'm i'm kind of like whack <laughs> you know like mm. like the way that i am naturally doesn't really serve that much of a purpose mm. yeah i mean it's funny. I'd never even thought about it in those terms, mm-hmm. but I was like that you made me think about, you know, I remember this time in my life when I was also partying and drinking and me and we would like go to this one house. So it was my brother's house and we'd like 
pregame and then where we'd go out to wherever. And I remember this one time, and I've thought about this a lot of times, me and my brother and this one friend of ours kind of recognized and started kind of joked about and even kind of messed with it that we were kind of the decision makers in that crew. And there would always be, and I never thought about how, like we had like female friends and girlfriends of guys that were in the group and my you know at times the three of us had girlfriends and like that that was just, they were just never consulted you know what i mean like no one like and i've never even thought about it that way like i've never even like i've told that story to other people how we recognize that and thought it was funny and we, like we used to jokingly call ourselves like the shepherds a couple of times and like i've never thought about that the women weren't even there was no way that that was going to be like a decision being mm-hmm. made. So like even on that, in that example and like, yeah, but yeah. Flashbacks. And also, <laughs> yeah. Well, and just that idea of like not being, sorry, being conditioned to just like assume that you're not enough. Like I need yeah. to give him what he wants. Like that's. And being both of us being conditioned, you being conditioned to not even think that my insights are val- are valuable. Yeah. yeah. Or, um, and me being conditioned not to think that. Be, I mean, th- mm. th- even like to think like women again, like women saying what they think is like revolutionary, yeah. or even knowing what they think and then having the esteem to like gather those thoughts and yeah. put them out yeah. in a room is like mm-hmm. with men. Yeah, is like hard, you know. Yeah. Um, and I've just begun to practice in the last few years. It's cool. Um, and it's like just showing me how, how um, not natural it is for how I was taught. Yeah. And also for the people who are receiving what I say, which are often men. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it's something, I don't know about you, Mike, but like I think about this like where I'm like, even in the way, I'm, like right now in the way I'm responding, I'm like how much of it is like conditioned. Like, you know, it's like this is a podcast and we're asking questions and, da, 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 and like, but it's like, am I, how much of like me, like interrupting you or like taking what I want from what you're saying? It's, you know what I mean? Like even the, what, the way I'm hearing you, um, it's just something that it's like, I don't, it, it, I'm not even aware of it. And so like to have women who do the incredibly difficult work to like speak up and say those things, it's like, goes back to what we were talking about in the opening part where mm-hmm. I was like challenged by two of my female coworkers about privilege and not, not even like challenged, just sort of like pointing something out and how uncomfortable I got mm-hmm. and it was like discomfort because I f- really because I like felt embarrassed but it was like you know my natural response is to be angry mm-hmm. you know to like protect that embarrassment to be like well, fuck that then fuck you like you know I'm not like that you know like you know but it's like no you are and it's okay we're trying to help you um yeah you called me on some like male privilege stuff that I was unaware of where I'm like wait what no that's not true I'm black in America I don't have privilege and you're like but you're a man you have privilege. Mm-hmm. You it's have complicated. More, yeah, you have more privilege than I would as a woman. And I'm like, oh. In some ways. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like it was stuff I was unaware of. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. I need to learn about that. I want to learn about that. Um, so, yeah. And even things like height, right? Like both totally. of you are over six something. You're like six two maybe, six four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like height. I mean, all mm-hmm. of these things are like forms of power of what we've been taught to to look at as power. Hmm. If you look at like, there's some stat, I'm totally going to chop it up, but we could Google it, but about like um, Fortune 500 CEOs, all of them are like above 6'2". 
Yeah, no, that's something like that was when I was in grad school and like really coming to terms with like real like like I understood privilege for, but I was really coming to terms. I was like, yeah, like I am straight, white, male, able-bodied. I'm over six feet tall. Like I could pass as like Christian in America. You know what I mean? Like I had that like, you know, I say that sometimes people are like what, but it's like that is a privilege, especially in depending on the space you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually even noticed what like look how we're sitting. Like it just like the, I just noticed that I'm sitting up higher. Like like it's a, that that's not that we position ourselves that way. It's just like you know once you train your mind to like notice certain things. Not that that I just thought that was funny. Um, okay, well so let's take a break, and then when we come back, I kind of want to hear. I mean, I think you've spoken some to it. It's hard not to when you're just sort of like developing these ideas, but about when you really kind of made that change and you started to recognize these things and wrestle, cause I, I know you well enough to know you have, and just obviously in the way you're speaking now, you've like become aware of these things and what that experience was like, like really like the nitty gritty of it. Um, yeah. Cool. All right, welcome back to Walls Down Podcast. I'm Walker. I'm Mike. We're here with LB, Lauren Billy, who was sharing uh, about her experience with masculinity and femininity and growing up. Um, So where we kind of left off was you were talking about, you know, that experience, uh, high school and learning what that was like and, and, and power and all of that. So... I guess the question now, what we said before the break, is like, when did you start to become aware of those things? When did you start to become aware of the effect they were having on you? Um, and did you want to make any changes? Really not for until really recently. Even, I think, and I think this is part of my own uh, social reaction to uh, gender roles, but even in college, like I was really interested in oppression in America and I was really focused on race. And a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people in college are studying gender, gender studies. And I was like, I don't really care about like that. I'm really interested in race, racial oppression in America. Mm. And I didn't really give it, um, I didn't give it my attention until, um, I started working with a, a really amazing man um, on my last job, my last project. And he, and it was a relationship where I first came in as his helper, as like the helper to a really amazing man, mm-hmm. which just achieving that role was like a huge honor. No one had had it yet. And, um, he has a lot of social power and he's very charming and tall and handsome and well-educated and sensitive. And like all these things are real traits of his and, I was supporting him to be better, you know, to be mm. even more powerful. And then in our relationship, I started to grow into myself. And, my, and I realized that I had a lot of the traits that he had too. And mm. I, with his help and support, but also with his help and support, I became empowered alongside his and slowly started to feel that and notice it in our community and ask for some forms of equality and it was in that relationship when I started to see it more clearly um, that 
that I had a lot of his traits, but that they worked for him better mm. and that he had so much conditioning and support. And even like we would walk into important meetings, like the founders of WeWork, they're all these like tall men, <laughs> tall. Mm. They're all like six, four. Mm. And we'd walk into a meeting and no one would even acknowledge me. And I mean, you hear people, you hear women talk about that, yeah. like being in boardrooms and not being asked to speak or not listen to. But I started seeing it and, and, and then I started paying attention. I was around more entrepreneurs and paying attention to what women were saying. And then I think just even before Trump was elected and with even Hillary running for office, there was starting to be, at least in millennial culture, more like, you know, wage, wage equality stuff. And this is even before like Me Too and Time's Up and uh-huh. kind of just like this power thing, like women, women should have these roles too. And um, so I started paying attention but not necessarily like fighting for myself and then i'd say like the election really had a huge impact on me because i remember the day that i woke up on november 9th and i just felt so um i kept repeating in my head what he said about grabbing the woman and um and it was like very traumatic for me because i've heard men talk like that Mm. and i've been a victim of being grabbed and um it was just like so traumatic that someone who said that um that's like one of so many things that have been like degrading to women not to mention degrading to so you know disempowering and degrading and terrorizing to so many other groups but that's Mm. like one thing that like i just couldn't imagine that that our whole country thinks it's okay not our whole country but even 52 percent of white women think Mm. it's okay for him to be in tr- to, for him to be the decision maker mm. and it's just like so sad it was so sad and that like i wasn't safe like if the decision maker is allowed to talk like that and act like that mm. because he has money and power i just mm. felt like so sad and after that i started like seeing it seeing versions of that statement even seeing versions of um repressing and disrespecting and disempowering and putting women in a box of only being like sexual beings um i started seeing it everywhere Mm. and um and just feeling like i had no other choice but to talk about it and to like um mike and i were saying this the other day like i'm choosing to do this really painful reparenting work but it's not because i'm like "Mm, i'd really like to self-improve like what could i get into it's because like if i don't do it i'm gonna sink Mm. and it started feeling like if i don't start talking and pushing this guy that i work with and like saying shit that makes my male friends uncomfortable nothing's like i can't i i can't live with myself because Mm. it's like so blatant Mm. and um and i think it's actually interesting to talk really briefly about what we just said in the break. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was a good segue. Yeah. (laughs) Because, um, well, I, I just want to say like, I know that this work is uncomfortable. Like, um, I know that some of the stuff that I actually have to say with my male friend, like I would rather talk to men about it than women because I mean, I want my women to keep talking, but I would rather talk to men about this stuff, my experience and be truly heard. Like, one thing that I say over and over again is like, please listen to us. And I think you even acknowledge like, am I even listening or am mm. I like sticking to my agenda? <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, um, like, please listen to what we're saying because it's not, it's real. 
you know, mm. and I feel like as a white person who's interested in race and bridging the gap between whiteness and blackness or whiteness in any in any brown body, um, I have to be like vulnerable enough to know that I'm going to say things that are mm. quote wrong and that are not allyship and that mm. are like I'm going to it's going to be messy, but like I'm totally committed to this journey and I want to hear your meaning like you one a person of color's experience and understand i really want you to tell me like how i can better show up so that um you can have the same agency i have with my skin color and often that means that my form of privilege and power will be different <laughs> and i think that's what's so scary is that if if um if i'm challenging men to think and act a different way it means that everything that they know and a lot of the luxuries that they have, they'll have to adjust. Mm. And I think that's uncomfortable too. Yeah. Oh, it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> because like even when we were talking off the camera or off the recording, um, that's something I'm grateful in our relationship that I, I was so unaware of like being just a man and like having to like bear the burden of like what you've gone through. And like when you say stuff about like your experience, like my first initial like reaction is like, well, I've never done that. Like, mm. why should I listen to you? You know? Um, and if I really want to grow and learn, then I should have sympathy, not sympathy, but like compassion and like just listen to like learn your experience. And um, I never did that or was even aware of that. You know, it was just like, well, that's not me. You yeah. Know? So why should I have to like listen or like carry that burden or um, even like sympathize or understand, you know, I'm not that type of guy. I don't do that, you mm. know, and that's not fair, you know, and um, was something else we were talking about, like when we started and you started talking, I was like, I got super nervous and uncomfortable mm. and like just shut down and I wasn't asking questions and I was just listening because I didn't think like, one, I should ask questions, or not ask questions, but, like, um, I don't have a space to, like, say anything because it's your experience as a woman, you know, with masculinity. And then, two, it was just, like, I don't want to say anything wrong that might offend you or any woman that's listening or any person mm. that identifies as a woman or not, you know. Um, I don't want to say anything wrong. And that goes back to, like, my insecurities of, like, I want to play it safe, like what we were talking about yeah. in the beginning and opening. And if I like really break this down on why I want to do this podcast is like, so I can be my authentic self and my authentic self is like someone that just wants to learn and listen and connect with people and talk about dope shit. And I think this is dope shit. Hmm. Um, and I just love to learn. And like, since meeting you both, I've learned so much more about myself and like race and gender and just the world as a whole. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean like what you were saying about that discomfort and like having to like, it's so easy if you're, it's so easy to keep your privilege. It, it like, you know, like going back to what you were saying about like systems and like the systems have been created that makes it very simple for me to just lean back into the 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 ease of the power that I have or the, you know, that like, and you weren't here in the beginning, like talking about my like 
coworker. They were, they weren't even like challenging me. They were like, cause we have this conversation all the time. They were sort of like teasing me, um, about like, I was like, yeah, I like interrupted and they were like choking, like, Oh, some white privilege going male privilege going on in here. And, um, it, it, yeah, I got uncomfortable and my gut reaction was like, fuck this. Fuck like, like for, for like, I mean, I was saying this, Mike, like it was like, I don't even want to, like, why am I even doing this? Why am, why do I try and better myself? I don't know. Like, I can't change who I am. To, and it's like, it takes work to push through that. Mm-hmm. And like, it's uncomfortable to push through that. And I, I would guess, I won't speak for other people, but I would guess that's why a lot of people don't have those conversations or like, while, like if someone, they're talking to someone like you, they're just kind of staring, they, they feel that uncomfortable feeling and then they're just staring at you to finish talking so then they can come back with their thing and it's like it it takes it takes being able to sit with being uncomfortable to like to truly listen to someone um and i will say as a man i was never i was not told to do that you know it's like overpower Mm -hmm. you know and so, and, and, and yeah, like what Mike's saying, I was, I've also like, it's like uncomfortable. It's like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. And I find that in a lot of situations, like I don't want to say the wrong thing. So then I end up not asking questions that would help me be, a, you know, connect to that person in a more real way. And then we end up sort of just ta- not even talking about it or talking about anything real. Um, so, you know, wait, you know what I find interesting? Cause all of us are in the program. We're taught. Well, we've been taught that like un- being uncomfortable makes us grow, mm-hmm. and like as soon as like it's so easy to for me to like revert back to like oh, I'm not gonna say anything, mm-hmm. even though I know like having like an uncomfortable conversation is gonna help me grow, heal, and get to a place of like compassion and understanding. It's so ingrained in me that like as soon as I see a slight. Um, see something that's uncomfortable i'm like no i can't do it (laughs) but i yeah i have to like learn how to like work through that Hmm. Um. so what has speaking of like those uncomfortable like you're you're talking about like that it is uncomfortable this but like what has your experience been since you've started to push people in that way and since you've started to ask that of men like shut up and listen (laughs) My experience has been uncomfortable that I've stood alone. I've stood alone a lot and then later had people like um, say they are inspired by me or, you know, I was right the whole time, which is fine, but it's like frustrating. It's like I feel like a warrior, Mm. (laughs) like that I have to go out by myself Mm. and um, and it's made, yeah, it's like, it's like made, uh, my relationships with certain men dissolve or shift, shift to be different because there isn't enough space for me if I'm speaking like this. Um, it's painful and sad and true, you know? Mm. And, um, so, and even, you know, I, Yeah, it's been it's been painful and sad. True. I also feel like there isn't much language. I don't have a lot of language to describe what it feels like to be oppressed. I just know this book I'm reading. I just mentioned a few minutes ago. She she opens it up talking about being strangled, and she used she uses the metaphor of strangling, and then goes into all these stats of like most stranglings happen 
are, are committed by men, like all of them <laughs> are committed by men. And, and like she uses it as a metaphor. And I think often I haven't been able, and I see this in my fellow women who are experiencing this, that we just don't have this language to explain what it feels like. And it's so subtle. And this goes back to what I was saying about policy and politics. It's so subtle. Once it's like, okay, of course we hired women to be C-suite, you know, employees. It's still so subtle the ways that people in power, men in power can, um, you know, silence us. Um, that we, f I feel it and I hear other women talk about this feeling and it's like, it does, it kind of feels like I'm being like pushed underwater, mm. but I don't even have the language to describe it. Not to mention my experience often isn't even validated by those I'm trying to talk to or seen as real. And it's funny, like, I think the Me Too movement's really cool because it's like, there's so many numbers and we've all been saying this for a long time. Like, oh yeah, that's normal. That happens to me every day when I walk down the street and, or, you know, like, I, so, you know, have I seen someone jerking off on the subway at me? Yes. More than one time, you know? And like men are like, really? You know? No. Yeah. I've, I've asked my friend, not to cut you off. I asked my friend, Lisa, she got, cause I'm new to New York. She was on the subway and it was summertime and someone grabbed her and I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, that happens. And I'm like, hmm. what? But she's like, yeah, that happens mm -hmm. all the time. And I'm like, damn. I, I was unaware of it. Yeah. Like, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Or like, yeah, even just literally like, I mean, it's fine. You know, there's, a, there's those like art about like, don't tell me to smile. And, you know, people of color, like, don't touch my hair. Don't ask about my fucking hair. Yeah. And I think don't like there's a thing about like, don't tell us to smile. But I like on a regular di basis, and this is, it's very nice to be told you're beautiful, but I'm not like telling men they're handsome on mm. the street. And mm. if I walk down the street yesterday, I was like walking down the street and many men, and they're usually a certain type of man, um, like commented on how I looked and it was actually a compliment. It was like, Oh, you're so beautiful. Like smile for me, baby. And, mm. and like, I'm and sure that's nice that I guess that's nice, but it's like, is it nice though? Like, did a, it feel nice? I guess I'm it's asking. funny. It goes back to like, I want, it's so funny. It, it really goes back to this childhood shit of like, if uh. my uncle was gentle with me and said I was cute and let me sit on his lap, um, that was a form of my, of approval. So like deep at a core, yeah, it makes me feel like, okay, I'm doing something right. If mm. like, even this like homeless guy is like looking beautiful today, honey. You know, like mm. I'm like, cool. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't know it. Yeah. And, and, but it's so sad. It's like, so it's like, why do you get to one like comment on my outsides? Oh, because we live in this culture. Like, that's what you get to do. Mm. <laughs> um, but two, like, why is that what? that's like what I represent. I remember there was this joke when I was 19, like this guy would be like, you look really smart. And I was like, God, I'd rather be smart than beautiful so much. But he was like joking with me. That's not true. You need to be both in order to be successful. Hmm. <laughs> um, unless you're like, hello, smart as a yeah. woman. Um, but, um, he was joking with me and I remember how, and, and then he would like flirt with me by calling me smart. But what he was really saying was like, you look hot. Mm. And um, I remember like how badly I just wanted like men to, or yeah, decision makers, people in power mm. to like leave space for my brain and for what I had to bring to the table as like valuable and um, 
it's the crazy thing is we have all these stats now like i'm a businesswoman now and we there's so many stats that if like women are a part of the decision making process if women are like leading companies we actually are making more money or you know like we're like we're pushing the economy more hmm. so there's even stats at this point to like um, the diversity and like and like women in leadership mm -hmm. actually leads to more money. And and if like if money is power in this country, which it is, then it's like, why not? Mm. Um, why not put us up there so we can make you all more money? Yeah. But of course, because then um, it's still a fight because then people would have to step aside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to the power. Yeah, well, yeah. You, people would have to recognize. Like what we were talking about, like being uncomfortable and stepping down, um, stepping back from privilege that is so easy to keep and feels right to keep. Like it feels like um, when you were also saying something that made me think like on a core level, like you talk about like access to power and it, but like you shared that your uncle was physically like violent with you. And if he was approving of you and if he was like saying like, oh, you look cute or whatever, like you knew you weren't going to get hit. So like on a base level, does it feel like in some, cause, and then I'm also thinking like this idea of like the person on the street saying like, you look good in a way could tell you like, okay, well, I'm safe. But then in another way, I could also see that as not being safe. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, how, what, what is that experience like? I think it's nuanced. I mean, one, just for the sake of him too, like he didn't abuse me. He hit me once, uh. but he was a scary man. He was mean yeah, all the true. time. Um, but I remember that day. I still do. You know, sure. it was like a significant moment. Uh -huh. Um, and even today, like he's still a jerk and he's old and like, you know, I don't know how much longer we'll be alive and has like really ruined relationships. But my way of dealing with him is to be like cute and accommodating. Mm. I saw him recently and I was like, Hey, like, do you need, you know, yeah. do you need anything to drink? That's like my way of having a relationship with him today. Yeah. Um, I think that it's nuanced and. Like I said, I have to be both like <laughs> powerful, confident, and hot. Like if I really want to get, I think, I think that those like, you know, if, if I'm still taking, if I'm doing it all, like, and then mm. later, like, it's like, I'm going to have to be a mother too. And like, and if I can be a mother, run a company, which means make a lot of money for like mm. the country or whatever, for like the, my investors, mm -hmm. um, like look good, say smart stuff, accomplish like an unreal amount of things then like then um I, I still like we still won't get as many covers or story you know like we still won't mm. be as acknowledged as like mark zuckerberg mm. i mean i know it's a really like big example but um and then it's like i was thinking sorry i'm jumping around um the kardashian the youngest one just was on forbes yeah mm -hmm. and she's like the young and it's really cool for women and for using her fame but um She's making money off of like, I mean, essentially beauty. I mean, and what those women represent is like, a, is like in reaction to misogyny, right? Like they're, they earn power and fame through not only like sexualizing their bodies, but faking their, like she has a lip job, you yeah. know what I mean? And then yeah. she made a lip product so that other women who want to be hotter mm -hmm. in order to gain like approval. Mm -hmm. And now she's like a, a gazillionaire. It's just sad. I mean, it's awesome that she's so young and that, and you know, and she's rich mm -hmm. <laughs> and made Forbes, and but it's also like her business is actually like perpetuating the problem. Mm -hmm. 
in my opinion. Sure. Well, and like that goes towards like that thing you were saying of like having what a huge mountain it looks like to like be successful in the way you would like to be not, you know what I mean? Like, and again, like I think plenty of people could debate about the oddly could debate about the Kardashians forever, but, and, and, and you know, in some way how she's empowered cause she's worth $900 million and she's 19 or 20 or whatever she is. Um, but is that a way that you would want to have that kind of like access, gaining access to that power of wealth and influence through that, through the methodology that she did, you know? And I, like you, you were saying, like, I would like to do it in another way, which is even more pressure. Like, whereas, I don't know, I just don't see like, I, I, I like one, I don't even see that option as a man, but not in like, a, like, oh, we don't have that option, but almost just like, we don't even have, I wouldn't have to think, consider that. Like, oh, do I want to, I guess in some way, I don't know. Uh, this is hard. <laughs> this is hard stuff. Like it's confusing and it seems like, yeah, like at what, at when does it end where it's like that you did it the right thing? So like who, who's a role model of yours? Who's someone that That's you look what, to? No, I was thinking that like, I literally don't know that many female role models. You know who I like? I was telling you, who's the woman, um, on Instagram, I was telling you. Last he wasn't time. listening. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. She's someone's daughter. We all like her. She's funny. She were, we were talking about her in your room. Someone's daughter? She's a black woman, and she wears lipstick, and she's funny, and um, she's on Instagram. Um, she's an actress. Oh, uh, Tracy Ellis Ross. Yeah, okay. I yeah. think she's dope because yeah. she, says real, she says real shit. You know, I think Alicia Keys is dope. She says real shit. I'm just like... I don't know. I just want to hear some people say some real stuff. Mm. Like, um, but also, um, and then it's like, I know that Beyonce and Jay-Z are putting, like, I've heard, I'm like, where, where is their philanthropy? Like, how are they cool? Their lyrics are shifting culture, but like, what are they doing? Like shit is going down in this country. And like, how are they using their power and wealth to influence it? Mm. And people are like, oh, they do a lot. Like they just keep it low key. And I'm like, I think like, we need to see what leadership looks like. Mm. And like, if, if, Kim Kardashian got so much press from like going to Trump to talk about this one woman who was incarcerated unfairly. Mm. And there's like endless people who are incarcerated unfairly. Mm. And like, I just want to see, I just want to see people who are in a place of power, like say something (laughs) and they're not. And so it's like really frustrating because, um, I don't know who my, I don't have that many. (laughs) I'm sure they're out there. I just haven't been exposed to them because, press because we would rather like give kim kardashian press sure sure. wow that's yeah 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 well so in hopes that you can become a role model to young women talk talk about the company that you're that you own operate but you know yeah thank you we're building um my business partner ashley and i are building something called cycles and sex you can find it on instagram cycles and sex or or google it and we have a website and what we're trying to do is be the one-stop shop for everything related to reproductive health and sex and what we find is and this is all related to this topic is that um, information related to the body both for all genders and you know and anyone on the spectrum of gender um, has been hidden repressed taboo deemed taboo Um, there's lots of shame attached to it and it's hard to find and it's branded in a super academic medical way. So we're trying to bring it all out of the shadows, um, make it accessible. And with the point of like, 
empowering people in their body and, and, and giving them a sense of having true embodiment. And I actually, I'm like pretty clear that this is actually like a pro proactive preventative movement, uh, like around things like me too. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so we're building an online, um, marketplace for information. There'll be a shop where you can buy all kinds of things. And then there'll be a directory where you can match and link to any kind of practitioner that you might need to help you with an ailment or a problem or a trauma you need to work through. So we um, were about a year and a half old and we had some really big events that put us on the map that did extremely well. There's We just had a New York Times article today. Um, and now we're raising money to build the digital part and um, it's hard to raise money. <laughs> And I'm, I'm experiencing the gender stuff. Yeah, I was going to mm. say, I'm sure that all plays into that process as well. Yeah, but if, yeah, if listeners are interested, you can you can follow us. We, we do a lot of research. We have a big team of, of diverse people doing research to just start to inform people. We believe that, like, information, just like if you know your history, then you'll be able to understand where we're at in society mm. today. And if you understand these things about your body, like sexuality and even just, like, your you know, you guys have reproductive cycles. All human beings have reproductive cycles and hormonal cycles that have everything to do with your wellness and all areas of your life. And sex is actually the um, responsible for the human race. <laughs> so, like, why don't we have information about it? And why is it so weird? Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I can answer those questions, but instead, <laughs> I'd rather just give it to you so that it's like easy to find. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm sure. I imagine we'll probably have you on again. You can update Thanks us. Thanks for having me. Talk more. I was very chatty. <laughs> That's good. No, you were great. You have a lot to say, and I hopefully people Thank listen. Thank you for a, a mic. <laughs> yeah, now it's, you know, saved forever. Um, yeah, and if you, as always, if you have anything to say to us, you want to talk shit, you want to say people who should be on the podcast, whatever, email us at wallsdownpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us at wallsdownpodcast on IG follow us that's instagram it's, in, it's instagram go ahead. Yeah, go ahead i was thinking just in regards to like it's really important to me that i know that gender isn't binary and i know that mm. race isn't binary yeah. and um i was using language during this podcast like saying woman and man and mm. um masculinity and femininity and i just want to say that like i'm speaking from my experience yeah. and that i'm very aware that gender is not binary and i want to um get better at using language that's inclusive in that way. And I know that I didn't during this chat. Mm, so facts. like, yeah. No. Um, yeah. No, and I think, yeah, we've all like that one. Well, I'll speak for myself. Like again, was raised in that way of like very binary way of looking at so many things. And then more recently, you know, with sexuality and race and gender and all that being like, it's like everything is a spectrum and everything, but it's so hard to like, I was not given words for those things. Mm -hmm. And so to break away from that, yeah. And, and hopefully, ideally, again, if you are a person that doesn't I identify in that binary way, we're like, email us, get on, like we're, we're going to have every kind of, every person that wants to be on to tell, come tell their please, experience. Please. Thanks guys. Thanks everybody. Thanks LB. Bye. Bye.